We acknowledge and are mindful that CSU Chico stands on lands that were originally occupied by the first people of this area, the Machupta, and we recognize their distinctive spiritual relationship with this land and the waters that run through campus. We are humbled that our campus resides upon sacred lands that once sustained the Machupta people for centuries. Welcome to the Rise, Teach, Learn podcast. I am Dr. Chiara Ferrari, Director of Faculty Development at Chico State, and we are happy to make this resource available to our campus community and beyond. The podcast is hosted by Dr. Jamie Lynn Gunderson, and she will engage in timely conversations with faculty, staff, and students, and give you a taste of the Chico experience. Subscribe to our podcast and explore the many resources available on our website. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to both the fall 2021 semester and the second season of Rise Teach Learn. I'm your host, Jamie Gunderson. In this episode, I speak with colleagues focused on providing resources and supports for students, as well as upgrades to our beautiful campus. But before we dive in to discussing student resources, I'd like to welcome Dr. Chiara Ferrari to the conversation to remind us of the resources available through the Office of Faculty Development. Chiara, thank you in advance for all of the goodies you're about to share. Thank you, Jamie. Um, I am excited to welcome everyone back, uh, not only to the semester, but to our podcast. So thank you for this uh, new episode and new season of our podcast. Um, Most of you probably received a very long email from me last week with the list of resources. And um, I would like to use this uh, channel, so these podcasts, uh, to remind you of and and promote uh, more these resources. First of all, I want to encourage you to apply for our uh, faculty learning communities. We are offering two this semester. One uh, will focus on closing the equity gaps. And in that FLC, we're asking you to engage with data from your courses through the Grades and Equity Gaps dashboard, which you can find on our website. And the second faculty learning community uh, will focus on raising critical consciousness, working towards establishing anti-racist learning environments. And this is a broader FLC where we will discuss issues of privilege, positionality, and just kind of, you know, ask faculty to um, understand their own privilege as they enter the class and how they can sort of think about these privileges as they teach and as they deal with with students. So I'm very excited that these two faculty learning communities are primarily focusing on equity and inclusion and anti-racist work. And the deadline for both, um, the application deadline for both is Tuesday, September 7th. So um, we will send reminders about that. I also want to promote uh, uh, this year's quality teaching and learning, the QLT workshops. We will be offering five workshops um, this semester in collaboration with the technology and learning program. And each workshop will be offered twice. So these workshops are created and based on the QLT instrument, and they will allow you to redesign a course or design a new course focusing on best practices in teaching and learning, especially if you're um, designing an online course or a course that is hybrid as well. Deadline for application is also Tuesday, September 7th. Now, I am happy that this semester we'll also be offering two series. 
One is the uh, Teaching Racial and Social Justice Series. I am very, very proud to be sponsoring the second year of the Teaching Racial and Social Justice Series. We do have an open call for workshop facilitators. So if you do have an expertise in this area, we encourage you to visit our page and apply and propose a workshop. And deadline, once again, is Tuesday, September 7th. Another series that we're offering this semester is a series on podcasting for teaching and learning. And we will share some ideas about how podcasts have been used in higher education. We will teach you how to create your own podcast for the classroom. We will teach you and share ideas and best practices on how you can um, assign um, a podcast to your students uh, as a learning outcomes. And then we're going to have a final showcase um, at the end of the semester. So please register for the series that will be offered as four workshops once a month in September, October, November, and December. I also want to remind of a very important event happening tomorrow. That will be a Friday forum on retention tenure and promotion that will happen once again tomorrow, Friday, September 3rd from 12 to 2 p.m. You don't have to register. It will be on Zoom. All information is on our webpage under Friday Forum. So please join us for this important conversation. And sort of I want to close with um, reminding every faculty about a number of tools that we do um, have available on our website. Um, I already mentioned the Grades and Equity Gaps dashboard. And um, I also want to share a couple of tools uh, for which I'm, I'm very proud. Um, we, we launched them last year and, and I think that they can offer some really interesting resources. But one is the model course design. And that's a database that allows searching for actual concrete examples of course design. I encourage you to visit that page if you want to see some examples of course design and get some ideas for your own courses. Another tool is the teaching guides. That's a list of, um, again, teaching guides that offer very uh, practical ideas and also um, information about research on specific um, practices for teaching and learning. Those um, teaching guides were modeled after the universal design for learning principle. And so the teaching guides are brief, they're easy to access, and they're organized according to like different areas. So you can explore through websites, you can listen podcasts, you can watch videos, and you can read research about it. Now, we have about 40 teaching guides now, and I really want to thank the faculty fellows for creating them. But starting this semester, we are going to start outsourcing those teaching guides. So we would like the entire campus community to participate in the creation of these teaching, teaching guides. So please watch um, and look out for an email from faculty development where we will be asking the campus community to contribute uh, teaching guides, and so uh, we can use everyone's expertise. Finally, I want to remind you that we do have a um, FDAV media channel where you can find most of our workshops uh, uh, recordings. We do, of course, have a podcast, and this is what you're listening to, our Rise, Teach, and Learn podcast. We do have an FDAV virtual library, and we also have an FDAV zine. That's my kind of creative way to share resources with you. And that will come out um, 
every first Monday uh, of the month and the first issue will come out on October 4th. So we hope that we have a variety of tools, resources that are offered in different formats that really will help you thrive in your semester. And please, please do not hesitate to reach out to me or to faculty development if you have any questions or if you need more resources. Okay, we just learned about so many of the resources through our faculty development office. And now I am really excited to have Kate McCarthy, the Dean of Undergraduate Education, and Malcolm J. McElmore, the Associate Director of the Student Transition and Retention Center, also known as the STAR Center. Malcolm and Kate, thank you so much for telling us a little bit about the work that you've done to help students get greater access to the resources they need to be successful. Thanks, Thank Jamie. Thank you for having us. Malcolm, I wonder if you could talk about some of the experiences you reported your students having in terms of just a lack of knowledge of uh, resources available or an awareness of what resources were available to whom, because I think that was really the impetus of this project. Yes, I think a great starting point for getting a, a great amount of these, this information was when the Star Center opened in fall 2019. And the space was new. And so as the semester opened, a number of students would come in and no one was looking for the Star Center. All the students were looking for something else. And uh, whether it was academic advising, whether it was financial aid, uh, some just didn't know what they were actually looking for. They just knew what their problem was and didn't know where to go to actually uh, get that problem solved. And so uh, this went on for a while and uh, it was through uh, my time through the Middle Leadership Academy that we began the discussion about this kind of phenomenon of not being connected or having knowledge of our resources wasn't really an isolated incident. And so, uh, through that discussion, we talked about how do we connect our students uh, to the resources that we have. And at the end of that discussion, uh, we came to the, the point where we realized that for many of our resources, we are not explaining them in ways that necessarily connect to students in ways that they can understand. And even through the process of creating the one-stop shop uh, website, we looked at all of our mission statements and how we described our departments and our resources and realized that uh, for many of us, we were talking to other faculty and staff and not necessarily to students. And so how could we create language so students knew this is for you? Uh, and so I, I think that was pretty much the, the start of everything and making sure that it was center focused and uh, we, we brought students along the whole ride. So it's pretty, pretty awesome to get to where we are now. That was a great project. The Middle Leadership Academy that Malcolm mentioned is a great program offered through the CSU for teams of faculty, staff, and administrators and students from a campus to work together with colleagues from other campuses to solve a particular problem. So the year that Malcolm and I were on a team, this was the problem we picked, connecting students with resources. We always tend to think, oh, we need more resources. We have to build a new thing. 
But what we really focused in on was who's using the thing and why are other people not using the thing and how do we solve that problem? So we did use student focus groups and, um, and part of it involved trying not to overwhelm students with every single unit on campus, getting a site on this, a place on this site. So it may evolve over time and we'll include things that aren't there now, or maybe drop off things that aren't getting a lot of use. But the, I think what's really unique about this is it's one click and it's not just on the university homepage, which is like really valuable real estate to get a hold of. We were pretty proud of that. It's also in Blackboard and it's in the student portal. So they kind of can't avoid this link. And the other really cool thing is the language like Malcolm was talking about. It doesn't give a mission statement. It doesn't give this lofty description of the origins of the program. We really made sure that it was for students. Can you just highlight a few of the biggest resources that you feel are like most applicable for faculty to know about on this one-stop shop? I would say first and foremost, I would suggest that all faculty actually visit the page um, just to get acclimated with it. I think that given a lot that may occur or already has occurred this semester, that the health and wellness piece is going to be key. All right, so faculty, I encourage you a little call to action to put this in your syllabus, get this website linked on your Blackboard, let your students explore it, talk about it in the classrooms, get this information out there so that we can connect our students immediately to the resources they need to be successful. Our next guest, Dr. Joshua Whittinghill, is a lecturer in Multicultural and Gender Studies and has recently assumed the role of Information Technology Consultant with TLP. Josh is here to tell us a little bit about some of the services for faculty and resources that faculty can use to be successful through TLP. But we're also really excited to share a new resource that's more focused on students through TLP. So Josh, you've been hard at work compiling some resources to make it a little bit easier on students to access things that they need specifically for technology. And there's a new website that just launched, Wildcat Computing Support. Can you tell us a little bit about where we could find that and, and what resources we can access? Yeah, currently, if you go to the technology and learning website, so that's csuchico.edu forward slash TLP, that'll get you to our main page. And then on the left in the navigation, you'll see Wildcat Computing Support. You can hover over and it'll take you right to our page. And so it's even, it's more than a site. It's an actual, just a full service and a resource. But what the website does is it um, sets up as a resource for, and it's all alphabetical. So someone can click on instance like Blackboard, Learn is on there. So students who are new to campus, even students who are returning who maybe haven't used Blackboard for different reasons or as much as they might be using it now can go into Blackboard. They can get most all the areas have a what is section. So we explain what it is, a um, how to access, give them some steps of how to access it, and then how to use it. And some have screenshots to give you explicit details of how to get to where you go. Others are easily explained um, with words. And then sometimes we'll have um, links in there that go out to other tutorials. Then alphabetically, here's what we have. So these are all either free to students because the campus has a license or it's already an open source program or it's a program within campus that campus supports and runs such as Blackboard. So we have Adobe Creative Cloud, free for students. 
Audacity is an audio software program. If you're interested in doing podcasting or music or any kind of recording of audio, Audacity. Then there's Blackboard. There's a whole section on Duo to help students work through that. Um, there's an EduRome section. We had that change recently. So this is helping a lot of students. And then as new students come in, that'll be something they'll get to utilize um, when they start um, accessing campus. Google Workspace. So we go through and show different parts of the, the workspace. Kaltura. So we show students about video storage and editing, what they can do in Kaltura. And then uh, one that's um, been pretty popular and I've been, I've been promoting it for a number of years and using it is Kurzweil. I know I wouldn't have made it through graduate programs the last seven or eight years without Kurzweil. It's a uh, text to audio program. So it has some great features. One feature I like to highlight is students can put the document in, then they can highlight and make notes inside the document. And then once they're done, they can extract whatever they've highlighted and made notes on. So they don't have to go back and try and find the information in a 25 page document, say they're reading for a class. Then students love the next step. And I do as well. You can turn all your notes into an MP3 and then you can walk around listening to your notes after the fact. So that's a great one. Um, LinkedIn Learning, we have a whole section on that of how you can use LinkedIn Learning to find resources and do research in there. Um, Office 365, Otter AI for how to use Otter and transcriptions, um, Poll Everywhere, that start rolling out with more faculty using it in classes. So this gives students a way of learning how to register and then how they're gonna access them when they have professors or instructors who do use Poll Everywhere. And we have a whole section on the portal, what to do in there, a whole section on Pronto, the new text and instant messaging program. We just have um, renewed or just activated from a three-year license with Pronto. So it's a great way to connect. We have a, a area on the student center, just what are some areas in the student center, how to use some of those areas. And then we have Turnitin, kind of explaining what Turnitin is for students, how they use it, how the campus uses it, how their instructors may use it. And then finally, um, Zoom. A whole section on Zoom to help students understand about logging in through SSO and then utilizing Zoom for campus. And so that's what we have so far. That's really awesome. I have to say, like, as a faculty member, um, especially at the beginning of this season or beginning of the semester, I'm really excited to have a one stop shop to send students who are struggling with technology because it's sometimes the case that, you know, we're we're in class together, a majority of my students are ready to go and there's one or two who just need that little extra support and sometimes time doesn't always permit. But having a place to send students and, and getting a, making sure that they get logged in there, um, know what's available, I think that's gonna be a very useful tool for uh, lecturers and faculty who are trying to support students using all of this great technology that we offer on campus. In addition to some of the resources we have for faculty and students, I also asked Cherie Chastain to come on and talk about some upgrades that have taken place on campus. In our last season, we talked a little bit about ecological justice and sustainability and some of the initiatives that the university has taken on to align with that. So Cherie, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about the bike path. I would love to talk to you about the bike path. Most of you probably remember um, a pilot bike path being installed in the fall of 2019. And it was just a dashed white line that followed the creek <laughs> between Holt Hall and Butte Hall. And a lot of you probably thought that's ridiculous. And I agree, it was ridiculous, but we had to trial it to make sure that a bike path would work. 
And I'm really glad that we did. Uh, we partnered with students in a transportation planning class in the fall of 2019. They studied the bike path and they gave us a report of recommendations that said, this is how you can make it better. So we went to work, we got money, and we put those plans into action. And the bike path is now built per those students' specification. Um, and it's open for use. Happy pedaling. I am stoked about this because I have been on my one wheel uh, riding through campus. And I have to tell you, the work that you and students did on that, it is slick. It is nice. I know exactly where to be. Um, it's it's very bright. And like I said, there's no potholes. There's no um, bumps, you know, that can catch a skateboard or catch a bike tire. So I was really grateful that I didn't have to navigate a bunch of obstacles. Um, but yes, I love it. It's so fun to come to campus that way. And I know, Cherie, you use it every day as well. I do, yes. I ride my bike to campus every day. Um, and it, yes, you're absolutely right about not having those potholes and those bumps. So yeah, that's all brand new asphalt. Um, we didn't have enough money to repave the entire drive aisle. So we only repaved just the bike path, or I guess we'll call it, maybe Maybe we should start calling it the wheeled path. Yeah. Um, anything with wheels can use that path. You know, you'll notice from the 2019 bike path, to the current bike path that we actually moved it to the other side of that space. The pilot bike path hugged the creek and it, it kind of stayed right along the creek. And we heard a lot of feedback that pedestrians specifically didn't like that. Um, it created a lot of blind spots for them. Plus they like to enjoy the creek. And so we moved it to the other side, which allows bikes to flow a bit more freely through that whole section of campus freeing up the creekside space for the people who just want to enjoy the creek or walk along it or sit and eat lunch or study, whatever they might be doing. We've got new paint on the ground. We've got new pavement on the ground. We've got better markings. I heard loud and clear from people that better markings were necessary. Um, so hopefully the green paint is a big indicator, but we also have some pretty big markings all the way along the path. And we've done some striping at key intersections where bikes and pedestrians will be interacting with one another. So hopefully that raises a bit more awareness for anybody in this space that something's happening um, and to just use caution as they're moving through the area. What I'd like to start doing this semester is start offering smart cycling classes to help people, one, ride smart and ride safe, uh, but also kind of start to break down some of the barriers for people who aren't necessarily comfortable riding a bike. Maybe they've never ridden um, you know, next to traffic, or maybe they've never ridden a bike at all. So helping people learn how to ride, but learn how to ride safely. Cherie, thank you so much for your work. It is such a fun way to come and go from campus, and I just appreciate having that opportunity. I am so glad that you and many other people are using the path. I hope it's not the last path that we have here on the Chico State campus. Um, I'd love to see more, and I, I am enjoying every day watching people use it and use it safely. And there you have it. Today we explored resources and supports for faculty and students. And I encourage you to share these resources and this episode of Rise, Teach, Learn with your fellow Wildcats. And don't forget to take advantage of our beautiful new bike path. I'd like to thank all the guests for contributing to this episode, and I encourage you to join us for our next episode, wherein we will discuss the resources available through the library. Until then, we got this, Wildcats.